it is hard to imagine a more stupid or more dangerous way of making decisions than by putting those decisions in the hands of people who pay no price for being wrong. Dr. Thomas Sowell. Welcome to Snell Nation. You know who I am, so let's get started. Now, what I wanted to talk about uh, tonight, I wanted to focus on government intervention. It's something that we've seen uh, a great deal of well, over the past few decades, um, and it's only seemed to just balloon um, out of control in recent years. Um, I'm looking at you, 2020, and of course now 2021. Yeah, when it comes to government intervention, I mean, it's defined as you know regulatory action taken by government that uh, seek to change the decisions made by individuals, groups, and organizations about social and uh, economic matters. The, that's just the, you know, the bare bones of it. So now when it comes to uh, government intervention, the, the big ones in history that come to mind, you know, we have the war on terror, which sounds great on paper. Yeah, yeah, this, you know, war against, you know, terrorism. Hey, yeah. Sure, makes sense. Uh, war on drugs. The war on drugs, you know, was a fascinating one. One that lasted for uh, decades and uh, resulted in, you know, countless deaths and um, just the destruction <laughs> of uh, low-income communities. And uh, we had even, you know, one of our federal agencies, of course, the, the CIA that was, you know, uh, somewhat working against us. And, uh, you know, for those who think, oh, that's just crazy, you know, what are you talking about? There's no way, you know, a federal agency would work against its own people that it's supposed to serve the its own people that actually uh, fund funds them. But I implore you to uh, maybe Google contra drug trafficking, maybe look up a journalist by the name of Webb, who uh, was a true journalist, journalist of his time. Um, that uh, had a bit of a tragic death, but he exposed, he exposed, you know, a, a lot of this, um, a lot of this controversy and, you know, in the 90s and was somewhat forgotten about, but I digress. So we have the war on terror, the war on drugs and the war on poverty, you know, three key things that, you know, sound great. When you, when you, on paper, it sounds good. When you look at it, you think, yeah, I'm, I'm for that. Um, but in each scenario, uh, it resulted in just a colossal failure on the part of the government. And uh, there were a lot of reasons why, a lot of obvious reasons. Um, but the, the part that always gets me is just how so much of us uh, we just don't seem to, to catch these patterns. And I see a lot of people, and uh, especially last year, rooting for more government intervention. We need the government to get involved on this. We need more legislation to cover this or to cover that. And people will just cheer for that. And, of course, the politicians, they'll, they'll do their part to feed into it because that, you know, that means more money and power and influence for them and um, those uh their donors, which they serve. Um, but we, we just seem to miss it. And to narrow the focus even more on 
government intervention. You know, just looking at the, lo- the lockdowns that were prominent last year. Um, and in some cases, there's still a little bit of that going on right now. So we have, and these numbers are coming from the Wall Street Journal. You know, we, we have 9 million U.S. small businesses uh, that fear they're going to just have to close permanently in 2021. And some will look at that and say, can you, can you believe that? You know, I can't believe what, you know, COVID did. You know, it's, a, it's, it's so shocking. How dare you, COVID? But, um, you know, I'm, I'm quick to kind of make the assertion that um, it, COVID didn't shut these businesses down. I mean, it, it was government intervention. COVID didn't crash the economy. That, that was mostly just government intervention um, that, that caused that ripple effect. And the same thing with a lot of the other, you know, the housing markets and, you know, all these different bubbles and things that, that are going to burst at some point. Um, and the hyperinflation that's uh, that's already upon us, that goes back to government intervention. That doesn't go back to COVID. Um, but we're, we're quick to just make that statement. It, it's easy and, it, and it's what's been drilled into us. Everything's COVID. But um, I can assure you when, it, when you're talking about economics and you're talking about the job market, when you're talking about the housing market and all that stuff, then <clears throat> no, that, that that's the, the business side of the house. That's the government side of the house. That no. It's just, just no. So, <laughs> so 9 million small businesses, I mean, that, that they legitimately believe they're not going to survive the year. Now, last year, just in the first three months of the quote unquote pandemic, you know, we had over 400,000 small businesses that went from being shut down temporarily to shutting down permanently. And the big, you know, of course, it goes back to government intervention, but these small business owners, so many of them just threw their hands up and they just they just said, I give up. You know, what do you do when, you know, someone imposes their will on you and you, when you have a profitable business in 2019 and all, all of a sudden everything just changes? And now you have uh, government officials at the local, state and federal level imposing their will on you, fining you if you don't close by certain times. You know, uh, on, on a Monday, they'll say you can have, you know, up to 35% capacity. But then on a Thursday, it's 45% capacity. You know, and then on the weekend, it's, well, you know, you can do outside dining. You can't do inside dining. Yeah, but but no, it needs to be in, a, in an enclosed structure so you can do your outside dining inside a structure, but not inside your original structure. You know, but then people need to wear a mask. You know, and then you throw vaccine, I'll call them shots. And you throw shots in there, and then there's a new divide. Well... Those who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks, but wait, but those, uh, those who are vaccinated don't have to wear masks. But if they're in a company of those uh, who are unvaccinated, then they have to wear those masks, you know, and uh, all these changes. And you have these small business owners that are jumping through hoops. They're buying all this equipment. They're, some of them built these elaborate structures outside only to find out that, well, no, it doesn't pass this particular code or it doesn't meet this particular standard. So, no, you still can't do any type of uh, like soft opening or partial opening or, or whatever. And they just, some just said, you know what, this just isn't worth it anymore. So last year, of course, we had, you know, estimated 400,000 small businesses that shut down permanently. Just in the first three months, we're talking from, uh, from March to May. And then to round out the year, you know, that estimate crossed a million 
you know, and we don't have an unlimited number of businesses, you know, <laughs> in, in this country, small businesses. I mean, there's, there's a finite number. I believe that number is around 15 million. So we just keep, you know, chipping away at it and you have more and more people walking away. Then you have more people that are not even trying to, uh, even attempt to start a business or they were in the early stages and they just said, forget it. You know, I can even speak for myself. There was a time where I was looking at buying into a, uh, maybe an import export kind of setup. Um, but the process is of course so complicated and you throw in just all these, just train wrecks, just all these issues that keep coming up that just deem it, uh, just, just not worth it. it. It's not viable. So you have that side of it. Then you have another angle. <clears throat> you know, I believe it to be uh, a labor shortage uh, impact. And some don't necessarily see it as a labor shortage because you'll look at one study that'll show that unemployment rates um, exceed uh, new job creation rates by the monthly jobs report. Um, but then you'll have things like this. And you'll have... Uh, like the month month of March, uh, we had 900,000 jobs that were added, which was the highest uh, job increase or job creation increase in the last half century. But when you drive around and you just look around, you'll see just, you know, first you'll see signs in front of a lot of residential properties saying for sale. But then you'll also see a bunch of signs that say, you know, we're hiring. You'll see it at a lot of, you know, fast food chains and restaurants and, you know, uh, hair salons and, you know, all kinds of just random small businesses. You know, we're hiring, we're hiring. Um, I've even, you know, have had companies reach out to me about uh, project management positions, things like that. Um, I've had people just kind of nudge me saying, hey, you know, we've got, if you know anybody who's looking, you know, we're, we're hiring some entry level positions, 13 an hour, 15 an hour. 22 an hour and they're, they're they're begging some of them just pleading like just just you know hey anyone i mean if you're if you're qualified or you know even if you're not qualified we'll even take the time to train you up we just need people in these positions you know so we can get back or at least maybe work our way towards being back at uh, full capacity <clears throat> that's in just a multitude of different sectors and the big question that comes up is, you know, why is that such an issue? Why is there th this labor shortage? And, you know, I would have to throw out there just the, the incentive to not work. You know, you have these, all these unemployment benefits. How some will say, well, those benefits are taxed. And, you know, I'll throw back at you that, yeah, but no. Because uh, a lot of those taxes are being refunded back to, to people. I mean, uh, we, we saw that from the, the tax returns for 2020. You know, and we're going to see it again when the time comes for people to do their taxes for 2021. So, yeah, there's more of an incentive to not work. And it's a pretty it's a pretty simple concept. You know, if you want more of something, you subsidize it. If you want less of something, you tax it. So you have the middle class that's being just been squeezed in recent years, really just squeezed. Um, and you have that middle class that's, you know, being taxed, their income and everything else. And then you have another group that's essentially being paid to not work. And the amount that they're being paid to not work closely, or, or it might even exceed what they were making in, say, a low-wage job. And 
that's been a big issue. If you're pulling in six hundred dollars, um, six hundred dollars a week, you know, just sitting at home playing video games, and then you uh, you were making maybe four hundred dollars a week being a bartender or doing or doing what else. Not that there's anything wrong with being a bartender, but it's just the first thing that comes to mind. When you have to make that comparison, it's just human nature to want to go with the easier path, the road of uh, less resistance. And I, and I don't really blame them for that. But I do believe that it's important that we are honest when we're having a conversation like this. Because <clears throat> a lot of times we can get wrapped up in the, you know, everyone wants to get on their high horse. You have the virtue signaling, you know, oh, we, those those aren't CEOs and all that money they're pulling in and you know, people need to be paid a living wage. And in a lot of ways, I agree with that statement, but I believe there's some honesty that needs to come out of this. There's some analysis that needs to come out of this. Um, it's not as simple as just jacking up, you know, the, the minimum wage to, you know, $20 an hour or $30 an hour or $40 an hour uh, because there's a ripple effect. Sure, the, the Amazons, the Walmarts, and the Targets, yeah, okay, they're CEOs. They don't need another private jet. Yeah, stick it to the man. you know. But I'm talking about the mom-pa shops where they, they only have like maybe 10 employees, and they're paying those employees, let's say, $12 an hour. To go from that to paying you know, $15 an hour, $20 an hour can be the difference between that business succeeding or failing. And then some would say, well, that's just too bad. That's just the... You know, that's just a part of doing business. You know, if you can't afford to pay these employees a quote unquote living wage, then you shouldn't be in business. Well, yeah. And a lot of people that make that statement don't own a business. Um, that's been my experience or don't understand business or the financial sector or, or anything like that. But, you know, we get a lot of the, the Google experts out there that'll, you know, just take a peek at something or or there'll be a slacktivist and, you know, that's. That's just, it's another thing that just looks good on paper. Pay them a living wage, $20 an hour. That's it. Boom. Mic drop. Yeah, that's great. Sure. But there's other factors involved. You know, we're talking about the, an action that can impact entire communities. So just think about that. Of course, you'll have um, Jeff Bezos. You'll have, you know, uh, different individuals that will raise their hand and say, yeah, we're all for it. Yeah, raise them, you know, <laughs> that minimum wage up to 15 an hour, 20 an hour. But of course they want that. I mean, that'll put that, that final death nail into the coffin of uh, small businesses because, well, they know like, okay, well, <clears throat> if I'm running Amazon and I, it's a multi-billion dollar company, you know, or some trillion dollar company, you know, like Apple or whatever. Sure, I can afford to raise, you know, uh, just how much I'm paying all my employees. But I know some of those smaller local businesses that are some smaller, you know, c competitors that could become stronger competitors in five to 10 years, you know, well, I can take an action that'll squeeze them to the point where they'll never be a, a true competitor to my organization in the future. And you can do that through legislation. So that was just a few things that I found interesting in regards to uh, just government intervention. And just this constant, um, well, this track record of just failure after failure after failure. And I implore people to take the time to take a look at history. And, you know, it's said that 
if you want to see where we're going, you know, you can look back at the past and the past, all the just dumb ideas that were pushed and ridiculous ideologies that were tried that led to just countless deaths and poverty and starvation and all these terrible things. You know, so if there's some ideology or there's something you see today, you know, there, there's truly nothing new under the sun. Just look back to the past. You won't have to look very far, especially if you look back just the past 150 years. You know, you'll see all these examples. Like the like the knuckleheads that think communism is a great idea. <laughs> you know, you don't have to look back very far. And you can just look and see, no, it, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> You know, the, the commoners, the normal people, we, we don't win. We A lot of us would die in a scenario like that, you know. But just take some time to just do your own research, make up your own mind, you know. And just one last thing, one last challenge to anyone out there that's pro-government uh, intervention. You know, just please just, just show me one thing. Just one thing the government has made more uh, more efficient or less expensive. Because I'm all for learning something new, but um, I, I, I just I, <laughs> I've seen nothing but just this pattern of you know just all these different wars on terror and drugs and poverty and there's plenty of other examples. There are dozens of examples going back the past you know 80, 90, 100 years of government invention and how it just does not work out. So, just a few of my thoughts, you know, please feel free to leave me a message here on the Anchor app. Um, if you'd like for me to maybe focus more, elaborate more on government intervention, maybe a particular point in time, I can do that. Um, or you can you can find me on, on social media. I'm not hard to find. And with that said, thanks for listening in. Stone Nation out.